We have psychotherapist, relationship expert, and New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Mike Dow, to discuss his book, The Brain Fog Fix, coming up next. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Matthew Evan Payne, joined by a very special guest, Dr. Mike Dow. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Matthew. We finally made it happen. We finally made it happen here on this set. Today we will be discussing Dr. Mike Dow's book, The Brain Fog Fix, which is a New York Times bestseller. It is. How amazing, how cool was it to become a bestselling author? Uh, it was one of those pinch me moments. So I was on the, the flight uh, to New York and I uh, bought Wi-Fi and I'm, I, and I'm glad I did because I got the email. I was on the way to, to do some more press and uh, maybe, I didn't, maybe I should have checked my email before because I didn't need to fly to do more press because I hit the New York Times list. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was one of those pinch me moments, and I, I was quietly screaming to myself. And of course, you can't call anybody on the plane, so I was just emailing, you know, everybody, <laughs> everybody in your in your everyone in my circle. I yeah. love that. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you so much. All right, now let's just get right into it. What is brain fog? So brain fog, the best way I can describe it, you know, I, it, patients in my private practice. When I was combing through the research, the best way I can describe this is you just don't feel like yourself, right? And I think we all know what that feels like because we know what it's like to feel like our best self, but we also, thanks to the American lifestyle and, and everything in our, in our world these days, uh, you know, we all have a little bit of, it's what I call a mixed bag, right? It's a little bit of minor ADHD. It's a little depression. It's a little anxiety, a little in, insomnia. And you put all these things together and you feel, you know, you got some scatterbrain, you have some senior moments perhaps, or you have mommy brain. And, and when you just, when your brain is just not functioning at this optimal level. And by the way, statistics show that only about 17% of Americans are considered to be in an optimal state of mental health. And the rest of us are walking around with brain fog, right? That's terrifying. Yeah, it is terrifying. But I think that's also why the book uh, became a bestseller, because I also reveal the natural strategies on how you can reverse brain fog and start to feel like yourself again. Okay. Now, I I don't know if I have brain fog or not, and I think we'll get to the bottom of that today. <laughs> okay. uh, but there have been times recently where I, I wonder to myself if I actually do have it. To me, I notice that I don't have much time for... Oh, I don't enjoy rest and relaxation anymore. Mm. I feel like if I want to lay down on the couch and watch a little bit of TV, uh-huh. I'm in my phone, uh-huh. or I'm checking emails, or I'm nervous about what's to come. I can't fully relax and enjoy quiet time. Yeah, so I, ha- I hate to diagnose you uh, today, Matthew, but yes, you do have brain fog. <laughs> and, 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 and we know, so you know, so one of the, I, I talk about digital distraction in this book, right? And we're all on our phones 24 hours a day and, and it creates a state in the brain and there's part of us that thinks, well, maybe uh, because I'm always uh, on my phone and checking Instagram while I'm emailing, while watching TV, maybe my brain is just getting better. Maybe my brain is just so great at multi tasking when really the opposite is true. So in brain scans and in studies, we know that people who are what are classified in research as heavy media multitaskers. So you're on the couch, you're watching TV while you're checking your phone and your and your laptops in your lap. Right. 
you your brain actually uh, becomes unable to filter out irrelevant stimuli, which is a problem when you actually need to concentrate on something important, right? Uh, so if you're somebody who is only doing one thing at a time, uh, you can multitask a little, but then if something right now, so this interview, or you're taking uh, an SAT, or you're, you're, you're writing an article, you're doing something that's really important to you, and, and there's background noise, your brain is no longer able to really hone in on what you need to hone in on. And we also know that multitasking in brain scans, you're not actually multitasking. What your brain is doing is it is rapidly switching back and forth between uh, these topics that you're focusing on. And that's fine if you're doing two easy tasks. But what we find is once you start to uh, increase the complexity of tasks. So let's say you're, if you're washing the dishes and and watching, I know you're uh, a Days of Our Lives fan, that's probably (laughs) fine, right? But all of a sudden, when you're trying to do a spreadsheet for work and you're having an important conversation with your significant other, that's not fine. And, and we we realize that, that uh, the brain loses about 30% uh, of, its, of its efficiency and we lose a lot of time by rapidly single tasking. So it really actually will save you time to cut out some of the multitasking. You'll actually get more done. Okay. Like, honey, I told you that you were supposed to pick up the dry cleaning yesterday when you were working on your spreadsheet and you forgot to do it. No surprise. Okay. No surprise. Okay. Now, back to the uh, relaxing on the couch, watching a TV show, being on my phone. Uh-huh. I've noticed that I I can't, if I was watching Days of Our Lives or Shades of Blue while on my phone and on my computer, I don't remember what happened on last week's episode. Of course. We, you know... it, it attention is required for our brain to encode information, right? And, and listen, I'm guilty of it too. Uh, but, you know, part of, I have a, everyone is big on juice cleanses, right? Yes. Or, uh, well, I have a social media cleanse. I have a media cleanse in, in this book. And what I recommend uh, when you are going through the program, you know, there's three separate weeks in, in the program. Uh, but it's, I, I think it's a pretty common sense uh, and, and very doable way to train your brain. And that is to find three one hour periods every day where you are phone free. You know, it could be a long walk with your dog. It could be a dinner with a significant other and your hour at the gym when you are just going to do what you're going to do, right? Phone free. Phone free. And and, and and then it's okay to have your phone and be doing lots of different things that, because, you know, in this modern world we need to, but it's also important to ha- find some uh, some time during our day to have that distraction-free time. It really does make our brains sharper. And I've been I've been mentioning to one of my brothers that I want to get rid of a smartphone altogether. And he always it tells me it's really impossible to do that in our modern times. Yeah, you can't just get rid of a phone that has your email and text messages. Yeah. I want I want to throw the phone out. I, I have one friend who still has his 1997 foot phone, and he loves it. He likes it. He likes his life simple, you know? Is it possible <laughs> to function without, without, a, without a smartphone? I think it's possible. You know, it's, it's so funny. When I went, uh, I, I went out of uh, the country a few years ago, and my, uh, I didn't realize that my carrier – I'm not going to badmouth my old carrier, but it didn't work in – it worked in England, but it didn't work in Australia, and I was in Australia. And, it, and it's crazy that I was – yes, I was able to function. There were a few things that were, you know, harder with. You know, I didn't have a Wi-Fi so, um, unless I was connected to a, a, a network. So, you know, things like Google Maps. But, you know, I, I sort of enjoyed getting lost and finding my way around a city. Uh, Enjoying because, life. Yeah, because, you know, when you're in a new city and, and, and you're on Google Maps the whole time, it, it kind of takes some of the fun out. Because some of the best 
places I've ever discovered is when I've gotten lost in a foreign city. And by the way, we also know that the brain, when it has to construct its own mental maps, which by the way, if you rely on Google Maps 24-7, your brain is not making maps. But if you're in a new city and you create these new maps, your brain is creating these neural networks. And that, uh, it, it creates what we call cognitive reserve, right? So our brain, the more new information we put in, it's like a bank account. And if you have a million dollars in the bank and then somebody takes out or you need to take out $10,000 because you want to buy something, you're still rich, right? So that is the brain that is rich with information, with new cities and new languages. It's why bilinguals showed symptoms of dementia years after people who only speak one language. Uh, study Brain scans of, of taxi drivers in London who have the city memorized in their brains. Their brains are bigger, right? So the bigger and better our brains become with new and novel information. And when we force the brain to do something that's challenging, we don't want to stay in our comfort zone because the brain only will form a new neural pathway when you are doing something that challenges you. So maybe if this is scary for you, this could be challenging. If you don't know how to speak French and you try to speak French, even if you're not very good at it, the person who can already speak French, they're not creating new neural pathways. It's the person who is trying something and it's hard and every step feels like it's hard work. You're creating these new neural pathways in the brain and you're protecting your brain. So when we get older, you have more to lose. And we all, you know, we know from people, from autopsy, right? We know that there are people, if they have this cognitive reserve, if they were really smart, they're speaking three languages, their brains may have had brain fog, dementia, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's causing plaques in their brain, but they didn't experience symptoms because they had so many rich connections in the brain, right? And that's sort of a lesson to all of us, even, even if we're not 70 or 80 years old yet, because our brain is like a muscle. And every time you lift a heavier weight, your bicep is going to get a little bit bigger. Okay. And that's the way we need to be thinking about our brains, right? Uh, because it also keeps depression at bay. It also keeps anxiety at bay. When we're engaged in something, when we're in the state of flow, challenging ourselves, it, the brain just sort of lights up. You know, I, I love this cover because, you know, this neon green, you know, I, I want our brains to be alive and flashing neon all the time because it really does do wonders for the brain and, 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 our, and ourselves. So it's not impossible to, to continue to grow the brain. Not at all. Okay. And, and this is this is a myth. You know, what's fascinating, you know, my brother had a massive stroke when he was 10 years old. And at the time, you know, just 10 or 20 years ago, the opinion of modern science was, well, the brain stops growing, you know, at 18, 20, 25. We don't we don't really form new brain cells. Well, we know that that is not true. So now we know that neurogenesis, the birth of new brain cells is possible with something. Uh, all you have to do, you have, you have the ability, you have stem cell therapy in your home. It's, it's tennis shoes. When we exercise, we're creating new brain cells in our hippocampus, right? A part of the brain that's involved in learning and memory and emotions. So we really do want to challenge our brain because throughout the lifespan, we now know, and this, a sort of new science that we have the ability to form new brain cells. And uh, there was even a, a more recent study just uh, last year or the year before uh, looking at different forms of exercise. And we know that sustained aerobic exercise is the best at creating new brain cells in the hippocampus. So if you are somebody who, you know, it's, it's so great to, you know, get that bike out, uh, to put those running shoes on, to get on that treadmill, that elliptical trainer, that rowing machine, whatever you like to do, it really is like stem cell 
therapy for your brain. Okay. So you gave me a pretty quick diagnosis based on what I told you about being in my phone and, and not enjoying rest and relaxation. What other symptoms can people be on the lookout for? Yeah, so I, I think, Matthew, for you, there because brain fog is sort of this catch-all, I think there are different subtypes of it, right? So a lot of people have this uh, inattention type, and, and they have this inability to relax. Uh, but we also know uh, there are some people who I believe have more... Um, anxiety, right? Uh, anxiety, insomnia. It's like their brain just can't shut off. Right. And, and one of the, I also have, you know, I consider myself a very holistic psychotherapist. I, I have combed the world's best research studies to find all of the best data to help people. And they're all in this book. But I also know that we're also different, right? And and there are different strategies that work for every for everybody. And one of the spiritual remedies, I have all these 12 12-minute meditations in this book. Why 12 minutes? Because we know that after just 12 minutes of meditation a day, we can see a difference in your brain with a brain scan. And one of the best remedies I uh, I have for that in this book is, is a thought stream meditation. You want to do a 30-second practice with me right now? I would love to. Okay, so close your eyes. Okay. And I now want you to imagine that you're sitting here at this desk with me, but out in front of us, and maybe it's over there by the door, there's a, there's a stream, Okay. And now I want you to visualize that that stream is your brain. And that stream contains every thought and every feeling. And Matthew, just watch that stream. What's the next thought you see float in front of you? Is it something random like I have to buy milk today? Is it this is a great interview. I'm having so much fun. Is it something maybe negative like uh, I'm dreading my the week I have. I have so much work to do. And whatever you find in that thought stream, just notice it without trying to speed your river up, slow it down, or make your river any different than what it is in the only moment where your life is unfolding right here and right now. Okay, so that's the mini thoughts you meditation. So my question to you is, what would be different if you noticed your thoughts without judging them? What do you think would happen uh, if you were somebody who was prone to anxiety? If you start to, started to feel that separation between the part of you that is you and the part of you that is thinking and feeling and having these thoughts? Oh, I think life would be completely different. I think it would be more relaxed and calming. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of negative self-talk. Yeah. Um, I'm speaking for myself and and I know others suffer from it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Never good enough. Yeah. Yeah. So here here is my trick. I don't believe that negative self-talk ever truly goes away. I mean, I want all of us to have more, more positive self-talk for sure. But what I believe is that if we can learn to just watch the negative self-talk without believing it, without jumping into our proverbial river, we can go on with our lives and create abundance and we can become successful and you can kill interviews or kill that job interview. And it's not so much, how do I become perfect and not have any doubting thoughts or anything negative? You know, how can I just be perfect and positive and Pollyanna all the time? I don't think that's realistic for any of us. But I know that a lot of times when I notice negative self-talk, and I remember my first, my first talk show, 
uh, was Rachel Ray, and I was so nervous. And um, that's actually, you know, just I was just on her show again just a few weeks ago. I was on her like her it was like her last week before the summer hiatus. And I noticed that I still had negative self-talk, you know, in terms of nerves and what if I blow the segment? What if I forget this one great thing I want to say in the segment? What if I'm talking too fast? What if I'm talking too slowly? And they're still there. The difference is I just don't pay attention to them. And I, I think I've gotten better at that. And I think that's the key for any of us, whether you're on TV or whether you are uh, working as an accountant, right? It's just not believing all of your thoughts. So is the meditation a good way to silence the negative self-talk or to push it aside? It really is. And, and, and again, this Jedi mind trick is the more we learn to just observe it, and not take it so personally. If we don't allow negative self-talk to um, interrupt our day and we just sort of watch it, it actually just starts to float away. And then we actually have less of it in the future, right? Because if you allow, if you have a negative thought and you allow it to just float on by when you're in a meeting and even though right before you want to say something in a meeting and it's taking a risk and maybe your boss isn't going to like this idea, but you're not going to listen to that negative thought. And then you speak up, right? Maybe that idea was the thing that's going to get you to that next rung in your job. And it's going to get you that promotion because you didn't listen to it. And then in the future, you just created some real life experience that proved that you are good enough and smart enough and incredible at what you do. And you are a a worthwhile part of this workforce, right? And then you're going to have less negative self-talk in the future, right? So it really is a snowball effect. And the more we just keep on going and stop believing it and stop listening to it, it may still float uh, float in from time to time, just like there's always going to be a little orange in every room. But, you know, the orange is, you know, just a little spot of orange here and here. But, you know, this room also has a lot of gray and a lot of black and a lot of red and a lot of yellow. And, you know, it's just like just just start to pay more attention and follow the the positive self-talk, the reds and the yellows. And, and don't pay attention to, to, you know, the oranges, if that's what we're calling the, the negative self-talk. The negativity, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, I've also noticed, too, uh, when in terms of anxiety, when you're surrounded with friends, the anxiety isn't really present. The moment you get in your car and you're driving home, anxiety starts to build. Yeah. What is that all about? So human beings, we have, we are designed and, and this is sort of the problem. You know, I call it in this book, I call it the epidemic of loneliness. And when we, when we look at statistics, we know that Americans are lonelier than ever. You know, I love the Golden Girls and I love Sex and the City and I love Entourage. And what do, what do those three hit shows have in common? Well, it's a group of about four, uh, give or take, uh, great friends, confidants, right? Yep. And, and we know that people who have three confidants, people that you could tell anything to, right? right. So Samantha had, you know, she, <laughs> she had, uh, she, uh, Carrie had Samantha and Charlotte and um, Miranda, Miranda, right? So you have, the, you have these great friends. They're your buffer, right? And, and we know that our brains release all of these feel-good hormones, you know, oxytocin, that's the cuddling chemical. It's also the, cut, uh, the, the neurotransmitter of, of connection. Um, it connects us to romantic partners, but it also connects us to other people in our lives. Uh, when somebody makes us feel good, we release more serotonin, dopamine. We release less cortisol. So uh, friendships act as a buffer. Unfortunately, uh, more and more Americans now say that they have less and less confidence 
liaisons. In fact, some a lot of Americans now say that they don't have one person. So, you know, this is no longer Sex in the City or Golden Girls with three best friends. These are people who have, don't have any. Uh, we now know that for the first time in history, we are more likely to live alone than we are uh, co to, to cohabitate, right? So uh, there's never been a time in American history when so many people are single, unmarried, living alone by themselves. So we have gotten lonelier. And the irony is that for so many of us, social media, the, the technology that was designed to, I mean, the name is social media to make us more social. For some people, it's making them antisocial. So they hide behind behind their phones and their dating or their you know Instagram uh, apps that are designed to connect you to friends and or romantic partners uh, and yet you are sitting alone on your couch obsessing over Instagram photos all night so it's yourself. really pushing you away when you think it's connecting you yeah that's okay. right so is is the living alone uh, epidemic or or people wanting to be alone more unhealthy I think the pendulum has swung too far. You know, I, I think when we look at these studies of who, who who's the happiest, right? Uh, I don't think that we should all rush into a relationship and, and, you know, need to be married by the time we're done with college. You know, I think in this day and age, 21-year-olds, you know, man, if we were living hundreds of years ago and our lifespan was 35, well, yeah, 21, you know, you better, you better, get, you better get moving. <laughs> well, the world has changed, right? We can now have children uh, thanks to modern science. You know, there's a lot of women in their 40s who can still procreate. Uh, there's adoption. There, you know, the world has changed. We're, and, you know, men and women and we're all living longer. So I think that we should, uh, most of us don't know who we are yet at 21, but I think we also uh, get used to indulging and we get used to just being alone and not compromising. And then we become human beings. We are, we are creatures of habit. And if we've never lived with anybody our entire lives and then we're 40 and somebody moves in and the first month we freak out because we're just not used to having anybody in our space well maybe we're meant to you know i think human beings i think we do do better um in tribes in families in, in relationships and it doesn't mean that everyone has to get married but i do think that human beings generally speaking we do better when we're in groups and relationships also not just friendships but relationships there is a level of pickiness um, people not living up to some sort of standard, however ridiculous the standard may be. Yeah. There are, I feel like there are more single people than ever before. Less people seem to be getting married and more people are finding it more difficult to find someone that they're compatible with. A thousand percent. And it's uh, the psychology of choice. You know, there's uh, if in psychology when we do studies and uh, if you go into 7-Eleven and you need marinara sauce and there's one can, you're going to buy that tomato sauce and you're going to make your spaghetti, right? And, and it will probably taste pretty good to you. Uh, and then you can maybe go to a grocery store and then you can go to like a superstore. And now there's like a hundred different uh, jars of spaghetti sauce to choose from. We know that whatever choice you make, you will be less happy with the choice that you've made when you're given too many choices. That's right. And that is what's happened with Grindr and Tinder, right? It's this rapid fire where there's always like a million other people I could scroll through and maybe I'm just going to browse, you know, and there's somebody I'm dating right now, but oh, I've only gone on a few dates with him or her, so I'm just going to scroll to see what's out there. And it's like we're never happy with what we have and there's always an infinite amount of uh, other people we could be with. And, and I think... Uh, 
on some level, I think dating apps are fantastic. But I also think that once you find somebody special, it's it's time to really give yourself uh, some time to consider: is this somebody that I could, sp- you know, spend some time with? Is this person worth deleting the app for? Yeah, yeah, or at least suspending the app. Yeah, That's or right. yeah, deleting and then you could re-download three months down the line if you decide it's not going anywhere. But yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. So for the viewers who don't know, I used to work uh, as an audience coordinator for That Sex Show, which is a show that you were a co-host on. Yep. And I remember back then, there was, there was uh, you would encourage people to deactivate or delete their Grindr accounts or Tinder accounts and go out and meet people. Yeah. There's really nothing like actually going out and meeting someone this there's a it it seems like the apps can be a trap they are and you know what else about apps have you ever I, I i'm sure we've all met people maybe it's a friend or you know a romantic partner or you know even a, a one in center whoever you're meeting on apps where the chemistry just isn't there even if they look okay there's a lot of people who don't look like their photo let's all be honest we all we, we all put our best foot forward but some people don't look anything like their photo right. and i think we all put our best foot forward right so you always have to delete you know 20 percent of how how sexy you think somebody is in a photo they're probably not that good looking because that's in real life that's their very best photo right but then some people don't look anything like their photo. But then even if you take that away, it is that chemistry. You know, when you see somebody, the way they they interact in the world, the way they talk, the way they walk, the way they smell, you know, pheromones, are, are they're, they're real in terms of uh, attraction in the brain. And you can't get all of that in an app. Uh, so a lot of this chemistry, you know, we can, we can approximate it. And I'm not, I think apps can be a great thing for some people. But I think that a lot of people, especially the people who are uh, still, always single and you know uh, they've been on a thousand dates and it's like well maybe maybe you have to do something a little bit differently right yeah we were talking a little bit about uh, negative self-talk on the way over here uh, to meet you for the interview it was happening in the car will how will the interview go and I know that there's there's a, a mixture of nerves and negative self-talk so I think that the nerves are normal but the negative self-talk can be a, a bit much yep um, and even even for the first three or four minutes of the interview, it was like the tightness in my stomach about how will this go? Mm-hmm. And now we're in it and it's great. As normal interviews go, they, they're, never, they're never bad. Yeah. I mean, you always, you always you know, expect the worst or imagine the worst and it's never, and now we're here, we're doing it and we're in it and it's great. Mm-hmm. Is there any way, I know that you said the negative self-talk never really goes and that you can kind of keep it at bay, but why why don't we trust that it will just be okay well listen human beings we have to give the part of our brain that tries to keep us safe credit because the the human brain is wired for survival so it is in our best interests for people you know there's actually a correlation between people who have a high verbal iq and anxiety disorders because the smarter you are and the more you can consider possibilities and the more anxiety you're going to have because you can you can literally go to town on how many scenarios well what if the what if the interview what if it starts like this and then it's awkward and then and then I just forget everything I'm going to say and and it's like we ruminate and we go down this we, these paths and and sometimes <laughs> ignorance is bliss right right so but I, what I love about what you said Matthew is that you had it 
you acknowledge it, but here you are and the experience of being here with me and doing the interview, once you do this 50, 100, 1,000 times, by the way, I have the same, I have, I have a little bit of that pit every time I, I do anything uh, that's a big deal to me and right. we should, we should. You know, I think, I think the, I think we have this American mentality that all anxiety is negative and we should just medicate the, the hell out of it, right? And which it should just not be there. Let's just like throw a ton of Xanax on that. Like any sort of pit in our stomach needs to be medicated away. And you know, to me, that's and yes, there are some people who have diagnosable uh, mental illness, and some people, some people, not all people, but some people are going to need some medication. But most people will just need to n- notice that, right, with a little bit of mindfulness and say. I noticed that and it's going to go away and sure enough it did and the thousandth interview I'm going to notice it and it'll just be like a thought and maybe that pin in my stomach won't last for four minutes but it'll last for two right. or it'll be 50% less intense and we have to remember that as human beings nothing changes our brains like our own experience right it's like riding a bike. I can tell you how to ride a bike, but until you've been on a bike, you could you could read an encyclopedia. What what does it feel like to ride a bike? Right. To balance on two wheels. Until you've done it yourself That's and right. you have that experience, you don't know how to really ride a bike. Right. Right. The same is true for almost every experience in, in, in our lives, right? Until you go to a place, you can look at all the online videos in the world, you don't have the experience of being in Sydney until you've been in Sydney or in London until you've been in London or until seeing a Broadway show until you've done it. Yeah. And, and the same goes true for everything that challenges us. Hosting a show, here you are. Right. Or being a Broadway performer or getting that job as an accountant or whatever you want to do or going on a date. Nothing tells the brain you can do it right. like doing it and having the contrary evidence that proves fear wrong. Right. Because you did it. You know, even though you have a fear of what if I can't do it, well, you've been hosting here you are at Afterbuzz, you're hosting every week, you know, and you've done hundreds of shows and you always are great, right? Thank so you. it's like that that and you're great today. So that is the contrary evidence. So that that is my that is what I push my patients to do. That's what I push people to do when they read this book is to allow your experience to shift the way you feel about yes. yourself. And you and I bump into each other Pretty frequently. Yeah. We have conversations. We have the same Starbucks. Yes, we go to the same (laughs) Starbucks. We talk for 15, 20 minutes sometimes, and it flies by. Yeah. And I was nervous that, uh, which you don't really talk about it when you're hosting a show, about your, your nerves about hosting the show, but... Nervous that what that we were going to run out of things to talk about. Right, that's never happened in our <laughs> real life. Why would it happen here? That's right. Yeah, that's right. I, I think uh, we all have such high expectations, but you know that's the the evidence. It's it's we all have the ability to have conversations and to get up in front of a group. And if you're at a conference to be able to just get up on stage and talk about what you're experiencing. You know, that's the most common fear is public speaking. Uh, But we all know what we're talking about. We all have things to say. We all have different, we all have different uh, fields of expertise, but we all have something to say. Yes. And an opinion on everything. That's one thing people don't lack. Yeah. Well, that's true in this day and age, especially. (laughs) Um, So we talked a lot about symptoms. Um, We talked about meditation. What are some other cures for brain fog? So I talk a lot about food in this book. So the standard American diet is causing all sorts of brain fog in all of its forms. It's causing depression, anxiety, insomnia, 
uh, dementia, Alzheimer's disease. And, and we know what I, the, uh, the very best diet for brain health is what I call a modified Mediterranean diet. Okay. So we know that fish and beans and, and, and you can, if you are vegan or vegetarian, there are ways to, to, to actually modify this diet and still have a basically a Mediterranean diet, even though you're vegan or vegetarian okay. or you don't do dairy or whatever your, your restrictions may be. But we know that fish and beans help the brain to grow. Uh, there was a recent study that looked at all of the facets of the Mediterranean diet and they wanted to they wanted to find out what parts of the Mediterranean diet are actually making brains bigger and better. And they found that fish and beans were the, were probably the two best in terms of actually making brains bigger. Uh, it, it is a shift from, I have a little prop here, uh, from soybean oil to olive oil. Now I, I brought this one because this one's kind of hard to find. Um, we want to use extra virgin olive oil uh, for salads, for cold preparations. But if you're cooking, uh, you want to look for something. You see, this one doesn't say extra virgin on it anywhere. It just says original pure olive oil. And then it'll say, you know, for sauteing, roasting, uh, grilling. Uh, because extra virgin olive oil, while it's fantastic and you should have EVOO on your salads, uh, you want to cook and bake with uh, plain or light or just, it'll just say, if you read the ingredients on the back here, um, just olive oil, right? Okay. So you want to find uh, olive oil. Uh, one of my favorite snacks berries uh out of all fruits berries are probably the best fruit for your brain uh in long-term studies we know that there is uh, there's something called the blood brain barrier uh because our brain is our most precious organ it is the most uh sensitive uh it, it obviously our brain controls everything that we do right whether we're running a marathon hosting a show uh getting up in the morning deciding what to eat our brain is making all of those decisions so you know thank goodness for our biology and it and it knows that so there's something called the blood brain barrier and it's designed to keep toxins out of the brain Unfortunately, it also keeps a lot of antioxidants out of the brain. So the same layer that if you ingest a toxin will prevent it from leaking into the brain, um, some antioxidants can't pass through. But we know that there's an an, uh, probably a variety of antioxidants in berries that do pass through the blood-brain barrier. And we know that because people who eat berries uh, actually will experience less dementia. Their, uh, they, their, their cognitive aging, it just goes uh, more slowly. Their, their memories are more intact when we test people uh, throughout their lifespan. Um, and you want to find berries that, of course, um, sugar is terrible for the brain. So a lot of people, obviously, we all know that sugar is going to cause weight gain and we shouldn't eat pasta. Uh, and it's, you know, it's bad for our waistlines, but it's just as bad for our brains. We know that people who are consistently spiking their blood sugar with sugar, they are going to have a lot more dementia, a lot more brain fog. So when you are eating something, you want to make sure no matter what it is, that it's not roasted in um, unhealthy fats or sugar. So two of my favorite foods from the Mediterranean diet uh, and a healthy diet are nuts and berries. But if you're in an airport, as you and I are in a lot, and I'm always on that LA to New York flight for something every week. So I'm always in that, in that, uh, you know, looking for a healthy snack. And what you want to do is you want to find berries. So this is just the ingredients are certified organic raw goji berries. That's it. There's okay. nothing else in there. No added sugar. It's not going to spike your blood sugar. And if you're getting nuts, 
the, the, the fat in nuts are fantastic for the brain, but the soybean oil that processed food companies use uh, to, to roast those nuts are terrible for the brain, right? They're, they are very high in uh, omega-6s, which puts your brain in an uh, inflammatory state versus the omega-3s, which put the brain in an anti-inflammatory state, and that's what you want. So y- you want to fill up on, on, on berries, on nuts, all these healthy snacks, but you want to make sure that it's not roasted in oil and that they're sugar-free. Okay. Now, at the beginning of your book, you mention, uh, and for those of you just tuning in, the brain fog fix, you mentioned that you had um, some patients who had similar stories which got you to thinking about the brain fog. Yeah. Have you ever suffered from brain fog yourself? Oh, yeah. And and it was a breakup of... God, when was this? This was... Five or six years ago. I don't like to calculate years because it makes me feel old. So I, I, I actually consciously block when people can recall dates. Like, oh, remember that trip in 2011? I'm like, I don't want to put dates on things. It gives me anxiety <laughs> right. about time ticking. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was going through a really bad breakup. So bad that I just had to get out because uh, I needed to not be triggered, right, with uh, places that we, we've been to. So I did an apartment swap, which was fantastic for my brain, right? So I did a month apartment swap, which I've always wanted to do. Yeah. And I'm so glad at least I had something that was challenging my brain. But, yeah, there was just a fogginess. And it was just sort of, uh, unfortunately, instead of looking at it, and I did some cool things but instead of having the the new york experience i wanted and you know i had this romantic idea that i was gonna like see broadway shows every day and like go to museums every day no i was just uh sleeping till nude and drinking a lot of wine and eating a lot of uh ice cream and whatever i wanted right Right. so i was just sort of indulging and i sort of i sort of felt with something that you know obviously something that was making me sad but the way i was t- taking care of my brain i was just sort of indulging and i think we all need to indulge we need to give ourselves a little bit of time but i don't i, I really didn't need to be moping around doing nothing and not really working for a full month you know so right. i think for me had i gone about it a different way it could have been a more positive experience for me and instead i was just indulging myself and i wasn't doing all of the things that i had this idea i was going to do i was just not doing much of anything and and i think for me it was this 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 aha moment it's oh yeah we're all gonna have things that are hard in our lives but it's the way we take care of our brains and the day that it is the hardest to get yourself out the door into the gym or to that yoga class or to that dinner you don't want to go to the harder it is for you to go to that the more important it is for you to to show up on that yoga mat or that dinner because in the times in our lives that we, that we are the most sad the most depressed the most anxious those are the times we need friends we need good healthy food we need exercise and the times that it's easy that we can like oh no problem i'm gonna go to the gym ironically you don't really need the workout that day you need the workout on the day that it feels hard to do it right right so uh, i i think that was one of my inspirations for writing this book as well as you know uh my brother's stroke um seeing the way my brother had a miraculous recovery um and the power of the brain to heal itself and we all have that whether we've had a stroke or not um so you know i i just really believe in the in the power that we all have and we have to we have to consciously decide to take that power back however so it really it does doesn't take much to fall into a brain fog. 
It really doesn't. And and unfortunately, the way the brain works, you know, everything is either a downward spiral or a snowball effect of positivity, right? So let's, if, I'm going to use me as a, my bad example. <laughs> so I was going through something that was hard for me and I was sad. And then I sort of was sleeping too much. And then I would get up at noon in New York City and then I would just sort of eat turkey sandwich and then I would just sort of not do anything and I would watch too much TV and I would go out with friends and I'd go uh, drink way too much uh, wine and just like movies and like nothing that was challenging me and it just sort of caught me up in this downward spiral where I, I wasn't really getting out of it right versus you know positive reinforcement keeps us going so you know if you're somebody who hasn't been to the gym in like five years the first time is going to be really hard but right. every time after that it it gets it gets 0.01 easier and then a hundred times later later and 500 times later you know it's like the positive reinforcement of energy and feeling better and oh i can do this today Everything in our bodies and our brains, there's either positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement. So you just got to get yourself on the other side of that hill to push that snowball over and stop the downward spiral and push it over to a point where you're creating abundance and positive reinforcement and, and that snowball effect is great, gaining momentum and you're right. doing positive things because positive behavior begets more positive behavior and positive thoughts beget positive feelings and more positive behavior. So we just have to figure out how we get that those wheels m- moving. Once the wheels are moving on that train it's a lot more easy we have momentum in the train the the wheels on that train just keep moving right you know what i mean because you know when people are when people are going through a tough time they're not thinking or saying out loud let's go get a salad i'm really upset <laughs> right right <laughs> it's comfort food it's like that pine or that gallon of, of haagen dazs right that's yeah. what that's what we want to eat and 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 it's okay to have a little bit but then you know like the next day it's like okay time to let's snap out of it we right. got to do something good for ourselves and our brains so we've got the mediterranean diet we've got the 12 minute meditations yeah other ways to snap yourself out here this is one of the simplest ways um and also one of the cheapest. So we know that this combination, this is probably the one thing, you know, if, if your listeners don't do anything that I recommend, and if they do one thing, this is the easiest one to do. And this is to have a little bit of turmeric and black pepper every single day. Okay. So we know that this combination is responsible for the fact that in rural India, they have over 90% less Alzheimer's disease than we do here. And it's because they have this in curry every single day. There is uh, an antioxidant in turmeric that keeps the the brain free of brain fog causing plaques. Now, the black pepper is significant because uh, we also know that if you have this without black pepper, it passes through your body. It's not fully digested. And if it's not digested, it doesn't make its way into your bloodstream and to your brain. So when you put these two together, they're very neuroprotective. Uh, it, it can, it's probably, I believe, it's, in terms of prevention, it's probably the most potent way to prevent uh, dementia and Alzheimer's later in life. Uh, and all you need is a half teaspoon. So my recipe is a half teaspoon of turmeric, half teaspoon of black pepper, put it in an ounce or two of water, and you have this little wellness shot. Uh, I I love these fancy health food places, but you don't need to pay $8 for that. They sell them in these little glass bottles, and they're like $5, $8. It'll cost you a penny to do it on your own. We also know from studies that turmeric is a very potent antidepressant because it is an anti-inflammatory agent. So uh, also uh, turmeric, saffron, all of these fantastic spices um, in double-blind studies in other countries, 
countries, they're very potent antidepressants. Um, so if, if we're filling our plate with these, with these really simple natural fixes and we're eating less sugar, less soybean oil, more olive oil, more healthy spices like turmeric, saffron, um, it, it, it's really going to have uh, fantastic uh, benefits that you can feel. And again, it's that the wheels on the train, you right? get that momentum moving and get yourself feeling better because when you feel better, you naturally want to do better. Do you practice what you preach? I do. I work out just about every day. I would say on average, uh, I don't think I've missed a workout in at least eight days. So I'm, I'm like a six, I would say I'm on average, I'm like six days a week. You know, some days I miss, uh, some weeks I miss a, a, a day or two. Uh, I have to work just about every day. Olive oil is pretty much the only oil I cook with. Um, I used to be a soda addict. I mean, when I was... Uh, before I was, uh, let's see, I switched to diet soda when I was 20, but I was drinking six to eight full calorie sodas a day. So I was guzzling like over a thousand calories of soda. And then I switched to diet soda. And then I was guzzling like, you know, I, I mean, I, I would say if we're talking cans, uh, the equivalent of like six to eight cans of diet soda a day and it was just terrible for you. Now, uh, we also know that we do want to stay away from artificial sweeteners. And that is because... Artificial sweeteners can kill the good gut bacteria in our in, in our bellies. Serotonin, GABA, acetylcholine, these feel-good neurotransmitters are manufactured thanks to the good gut bacteria that we have, and artificial sweeteners can kill it. Uh, stevia, however, is a, is a natural sweetener, and it does not kill your good gut bacteria. So when I want something, uh, when I'm at 7-Eleven or on a road trip, um, this is what I reach for is, you know, a stevia-sweetened, um, vit- this is one of my favorites, the, the vitamin water. Zero calories, stevia sweetened. It's not going to kill the good g- gut bacteria. Um, you got to get away from you know the, the, the diet soda. It really will kill you. And there was just a study about diet soda um, in correlation to... Heart Alz- attack and stroke. Oh, and I, and I thought it was al- Alzheimer's too. And al- I think there was a set, yeah, and, and Alzheimer's as well. We, we really know, and a lot of these studies... It's like, well, we don't know cause and effect, but we know that people who are very sick with Alzheimer's disease, uh, stroke, heart attacks, we know, we look at their diets and we're, we see what they're drinking and it's diet soda. Right. Right. And, and I think a lot of people are under the misconception that diet soda is any better for you than regular soda. Yeah. Right. They're both terrible for you. You know, they really, really are. For, and by the way, so is fruit juice is not great either. <laughs> right? right. Anything that spikes your blood sugar. sugar, loaded with sugar. You know, it's fantastic for you even better probably than this is what you and I drink, uh, which is coffee, coffee Coffee and tea and uh, coffee and tea without sweetener. Or, you know, if you're going to use a sweetener, stevia, um, it's okay to put milk in, in your, in your coffee or tea, but you have to realize that, um, it, it is going to neutralize some of the beneficial antioxidants. So it is sort of a, it, if you can go black, uh, or, you know, like Americano with just water, that is the best case scenario. Sometimes I do like a little splash of soy milk in my, in my coffee. Uh, the other trick, uh, especially because our world is so polluted, um, I, I talk about fish. I eat, I eat so much fish. I try to eat fish. You, we know that people who eat fish at least twice a week, they have much better brain health. I, I try to eat fish just about every single day. Uh, and luckily, we live in L.A. We can go to M Cafe and get their wild salmon salad, which is you know high in omega-3s, low in mercury. But a lot of us, um, if we're at... Um, if we're at a, a restaurant, and, and and be careful because they try to fool you. So if you see fresh Atlantic salmon on the menu, 
That's not wild salmon. Unless it says wild, it's probably not wild. Fresh does not equal wild. Atlantic doesn't mean wild. Um, so if it's if it's not wild caught salmon, it has a lot of mercury. So one of my favorite little tricks is if you consume black coffee or black tea or green tea with your fish, it blocks about 50% of the mercury in that fish from being digested. So it just passes through you. It binds to the mercury. It passes through your body. So if you are having fish and you're not sure of the origin, I have I have an omega-3 superfood uh, list in this book. And if people get this book, and um, if you get it right now, it's if you, uh, if you get the Kindle version, it's only $1.99 right now for, I think, like one more week or something. Uh, but if you get this book and you've, you turn to the omega-3 superfood list, take a picture of it and take that uh, with you to the grocery store. Um, two of my favorite fish, farm-raised rainbow trout, farm-raised arctic char. Those two fish are on my list because even when those fish are farm-raised, they're high in omega-3s, low in mercury. That's not true for salmon, however. So salmon needs to be wild-caught, right? But, but it's confusing. So when in doubt, use a little coffee or green tea or black tea or you know iced tea, uh, unsweetened tea uh, with your fish, and it'll, it'll make it cleaner in terms of how much mercury you're consuming or uh, digesting. Are any of the recipes in the book... Uh quick for people on the go yeah so you know i am obsessed with things that are easy uh and uh grabbable so you know i i i love mason jars and i have a lot of uh recipes where it's um you know you got to follow my rule where it's you know you can have a little bit of fruit in things but we really want to stay away from uh from fruit juice and if you look at some of the green the store-bought green juices and if you look if your green juice has over 200 calories that's way too much fruit because then you're 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 spiking your blood sugar just as much if you had a as a can of soda yes there's good things in it for you but what you really want to do is you want to use citrus fruits um so not oranges but you want to use lemons and limes which have almost no calories and you want to use mostly vegetables cucumbers and then cut the cut the bitterness with a i love uh like a, a half inch of fresh ginger um so you know putting together kale and cucumbers and then you can have a little bit of apple uh, but stay away from juicing and what you want to use is like either yeah, I have a Vitamix or a Ninja Ninjas are more affordable uh, you know or if you can, if you can swing one the Blendtex or the the Vitamixes which are can run about 400 500 bucks wow. but then you, you take the fruit and you keep the skin on so that if you are if you are mixing let's say you have apple with cucumber and lemon and ginger and kale uh, you the one fruit that you have in there that does have some sugar, at least you're keeping the skin on and you blend it with the skin. So at least you're getting that fiber to manage the blood sugar spike because if we manage our blood sugar spikes, it's much better for your brain. The other fix, you got to get a Vegetti. So it's a it's a $10 spiralizer. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's so cheap. And it, I, I have one. I'm obsessed with it. I'm using it like four times a week now. You take like a, a zucchini or like a yellow squash and literally you just take it out. The, it's just like this and it makes these beautiful noodles and, and then um you know organic i do like an organic turkey with uh tomato sauce um organic meats um meats that are that are we really need to move away from uh farm-raised animal protein not only is it bad for the animal but it's bad for our brains because a uh, farm-raised uh protein has much higher levels of, of omega-6s which cause inflammation in the brain uh versus if you are going to eat meat you really want to go for the organic grass-fed much higher levels of omega-3s, which put your brain into an anti-inflammatory state, which is what you want. Okay. Um, and, and then if you have organic turkey on top of zucchini and squash noodles and a little or- organic mozzarella cheese on top, 
and it feels like you're eating comfort food, but you're eating like this high protein, high antioxidant, like 300 calorie bowl of, of pasta. Right. And it feels like you're eating like a 1700 calorie, like warm comfort meal, but right. you're not. And I think when you go to the grocery store, sometimes you can, you can be tricked or, or trick yourself into thinking like, I, I kind of equate organic with being more expensive. So yeah. I stay away from I stay away from it and I just grab the packaged, probably farm raised. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good good point, Matthew, because there are so many ways that they trick you, right? It's like they put words like uh all natural. What is what does all natural mean? Like so if it's all natural spinach or all natural chicken, like what does that mean exactly? It doesn't really mean anything. There are certain words that mean something. Yeah. You know, so I like the words uh certified humane uh because I recommend uh, you know animal products that are either labeled organic, free range or pastured. Pastured is not the same as pasteurized, right? So if 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 uh let's say you're buying eggs and it says uh, vegetarian fed pasteurized eggs that doesn't mean anything those 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 animals are probably in pens eating cheap stock and you are what you eat ate so if they're eating these cheap industrial grains their meat is full of high uh, omega-6 content pro-inflammatory uh, fats and proteins that puts your brain when you eat that protein into an infl- inflamed state uh, but I also hear you in that yes organic is more expensive so you know I also uh, want people to get educated uh, and there's a great online list the dirty dozen and the clean 15 uh, so which are the 12 dirtiest fruit and vegetables when they're not organic and which are which are which are clean so if you're buying avocados or bananas you can save money because buying organic avocados and bananas aren't they're not really that much cleaner okay berries however berries need to be organic okay when berries are not organic they're one of the most um they have very very high levels of pesticides so when we become smarter consumers and we know this information we can uh, still save money but make better choices and spend money so if i'm at the grocery store if i'm buying um blueberries i spend the extra two dollars for organic if i'm buying um avocados, bananas, um, pineapple, I don't. Okay. Now, I have heard, uh, I I had a trainer once who said, uh, when you go into the grocery store, stay along the perimeter. It's great advice. You'll never need anything in the middle of the store. Shopping the perimeter is is fantastic advice. You know, we know that fruits and vegetables, you know, I recommend a whopping seven servings of of vegetables and whole fruits a day. Uh, We know from studies from around the world that the people who eat that many servings are happier and healthier, right? So we have these two main feel-good neurotransmitters, serotonin and dopamine. So serotonin, uh, our body uh, consumes amino acids and, and it and it takes the tryptophan and it converts it into 5-HTP and with the help of things like folate and other B vitamins because folate is actually vitamin B9 uh, with the help of folate and zinc and vitamin C that 5-HTP becomes feel-good serotonin. Well, when you have some organic eggs and those eggs com- contain the amino acid tyrosine, Tyrosine is then converted into into dopamine, right? Uh, also, with the help of these what we call cofactors, so vitamin C, folate, 
And so we can see that when you have this varied healthy diet and you're eating all of these fruits and vegetables and you've shopped the perimeter and you have this omelet with spinach and avocado and, and red bell peppers, you have the red bell peppers, so you have the vitamin C and you have some leafy greens that are giving you, you know, iron and folate that helps your body to take the amino acids in the eggs and create serotonin and dopamine. You can understand why people are happier and healthier uh, and they feel better. They have less anxiety. They have less depression when they eat this way. We also now know i've been shouting from the rooftops the mediterranean diet uh and we always knew it prevented depression there is now now uh this year for the first time there was a study even for people with major depressive disorder which is you know major depression depression not just you know feeling a little blue uh a lot of people their depression was treated with the mediterranean diet and a lot of them went into remission after following the mediterranean diet so we see that this fast food processed food um it really is causing mental illness for for a lot of Americans more and more. That's astounding. Yeah. Where do you store all this information? I don't know. You're talking and I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have a bad, I, my, I, I'm great at, you know, I, I'm very strength oriented. So I'm the kind of person where I read a study and sometimes it finds, it takes me a while because when I'm writing a book, I have to actually cite it. But I know I read something and I know I read a study. So I know enough I know the gist of studies in my brain right. at all times. If it's related to anything that I like to write about, it, I read it every single day. And, I, and one of the reasons I actually do love my phone, I have the news app, and I'm always and my phone knows that I love medical studies. So if there's ever a new study about health, mental health, wellness, I, I read it. And it's like, oh, a new study from the University of Osaka in Japan. They found that this, oh, groundbreaking, and I store that away. And then yeah. when I'm writing my next book, I know. Even if I can't remember, you know, where exactly I found it, I know I read it. And if I Google it enough, I can find the, the reference. Right. But I can't remember what year I went to Hawaii with my friends and right. So and you don't okay. want to know. And either. I don't want to know because it helps me to stay in the present moment and not focus on the on, you know, the passage of time. <laughs> um, how long did it take you to develop the the fix, the actual fix? That was the hardest part because I knew I wanted, uh, I knew what I wanted people to do. Uh, the, the program is putting it all together and now how do I actually take all of this data that I that my brain collects and how do I uh, in three weeks help you, the reader, do all of it and, and get sort of this, this quick uh, brain fog fixing. Uh, that's the hardest part but I, I think I did a, a good comprehensive job that was also manageable. Um, I wanted to break it up in three weeks because I don't want if I made people do everything all at once I think it would have been really uh, militant and uh, um, really hard <laughs> so so the, the program is divided into three weeks so every week is is sort of a different change so you sort of you sort of go slow uh, and every week there's sort of a, a different change and you start to make these lifestyle changes and you, you change I have a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy so you change the way you think you change the way you eat you change the way you exercise you practice these 12 minute meditations and you put it all together and you know we know that one plus one plus one plus one plus one equals when it comes to health it equals 20 right there's a synergistic effect um, and it, the same by the way goes for vices right so we know that uh, looking at uh, when we put together 
smoking cigarettes and drinking too much. One plus one when they're negative equals five, right? Not yep. two. Uh, the, but by the way, the same thing goes for, for positive health behaviors. We know that people who do XYZ, 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 and those are all healthy behaviors, those people can actually get away with one unhealthy behavior. They can, they can get away. Um, there's a study. Um, if you drink a little bit too much on the weekends, you should just exercise a little bit more. So yes, I do recommend that we stay within one or two drinks a night. But if, if you are having, if you are going to that Vegas bachelor, bachelorette party, I know you probably, some people may, and some people may drink it all, but most people are going to have more than just the one glass of wine. That's right. But we know that you know now looking at um, cancer risk, for example, with 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 people who are drinking more than one drink a day. Um, a, a recent study found that people who are very avid exercisers, people who are hitting the gym hard every day, they did not find a spike um, in those people's cancer risk, even in the heavy drinkers. But that was not true for people who are more sedentary. For people who are more sedentary and they're not exercising hard every single day, yeah, your cancer risk does go up after just one or two drinks per day. Which is also terrifying. Which is kind of scary, right? Right. It's especially terrifying... for women, probably breast cancer is probably the the most the men can also the way uh, men uh, men can drink probably men can co- kind of be more at the two per day. Women should probably stay closer to the one, uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Now we discussed that the, the turmeric and the black pepper shot is very important. Is there would that be the most important thing in the book to to? That's the easiest, yeah. Okay. So that that's sort of my like. If you need like an eight second, if you don't remember anything I said, and everything <laughs> I said is just too hard to do, and it's going to require too much work, and you're not going to read my book, this is the one to do. Uh, but I will say that my book is chock full. You know, it has the wellness shot recipe in there, and um, you know, I have all these uh, great vegetable juice recipes in there and stuff like that. Um, but I will say that I, I think I do a good job of taking things that are that are sort of you know difficult and, and boiling down to okay, this is what you really need to do you know have one omega-3 superfood every day here are the omega-3 superfoods right so here are the kind of fish you should eat if you don't eat fish you can eat walnuts or chia seeds to get to get your omega-3 and this is why and this is why you need this for your brain health um but yeah but i yeah this is this is this is the easiest one okay. to, to do yeah um we are getting close on running out of time um, tell the fans one more time, the listeners, where they can pick up a copy of your book. Yeah, so this book is called The Brain Fog Fix. Uh, I also have a new one out uh, that just came out last month called Healing the Broken Brain, which is about stroke that I co wrote with my brother. Uh, my book uh, that comes out next year is called Drained, which is uh, about natural fixes for anxiety specifically. Uh, but if people want to get this book, uh, you got you to gotta act fast because it's $1.99. You can go to it's available at, uh, um, it, in the ebook version right now. It's on sale. Um, then go to wherever books are sold, Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, uh, my publisher's website, HayHouse.com, which is also... Uh, Louise to, Hay, right? Uh, yeah, it's her. Yeah, she started this publishing company. So all of these fantastic New York Times best-selling authors, a lot of doctors and spiritual uh, thought leaders like uh, my friend Gabby Bernstein, um, OBGYN, uh, Dr. Christiane Northrup, who's written multiple New York Times best-selling books. So she's got this... Uh, she's, got, uh, she's got this really cool tribe. I, I'm with this tribe of Hay House authors who are all about you know holistic health wellness um believing in yourself uh you know louise hay was famous for her affirmations yes, i'm just so honored I have to her be part. affirmation cards yeah, isn't, yeah isn't she incredible it's amazing and, and you know the the brain fog super fix the online course based on my book which i i got seven other new york times best-selling authors to join me for that it's sort of an, uh, an immersive video experience is available on hayhouse.com which also. is the brain fog super fix the, yeah that one's called the super fix because it's really taking every 
everything in the book to the next level where I'm going to give you the workouts. I have my favorite yoga teacher, my favorite trainer, my favorite cooks, my favorite, you know, we're going to be like teaching you how to make this recipe from start to finish. I'm going to give you a workout you can use over and over again, right? I will lead, instead of just reading my meditations, I will lead you through those meditations. So it really is taking it to the next level. It, it really helps people live the best life possible yeah i think so and it and it really is just one or two simple fixes a day and you and you and you keep that up and eventually you'll start to feel a lot better i need to do it yeah thank you so much thank you for and having now, me Matthew. you're also uh you're also on the doctors today i am on the doctors today yeah and any other any other places that we can find you on our local listings uh well i, I have a weekly uh i have a radio show on hay house radio the dr mike show um and uh yeah just uh you know I, i'm a regular on the dr Oz show and the doctors and uh, my buddy retro ray and so you know just I, I i'm so grateful i'm grateful to be here with uh friends like you and and uh, my other friends in television and and be able you know with louise hay and her her tribe of of health oriented smarties. writers smarties yeah uh, I'm just so blessed so thank you for having me thank you for being here I'm grateful that you came in and uh, and just look right into that camera and tell uh, everyone where they can find you on social media I'm Dr. Mike Dow D-R-M-I-K-E-D-O-W on Instagram or Facebook and uh, Dr. Mike Dow with the doctor spelled out on Twitter and I am your host Matthew Evan Payne you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matthew E. Payne thank you so much for joining us thank you thank you From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menunos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.